Praise God. We have been on uh, a wonderful journey. It is, uh, let's see, we are, I think, six, six weeks into this. We have a couple more weeks to go, five weeks in maybe. No, six weeks in. Um, we have maybe a couple more weeks to go. If we get through the amount of, uh, of, uh, that I think we will today, then next week we're going to talk about the prayer that Jesus prayed in John, uh, I believe it was John chapter 17. And, uh, but we've been studying prayer and the specifically related to the prayer life, the priority of prayer in the life of Jesus. We've been looking in the book of Luke primarily, but in the Gospels uh, in general, and uh, enjoying what we've been learning. It is not a mistake by the Spirit of God that over this last season of time, and I've said this before, but I want to repeat myself. I know that I, I'm not senile. I do realize that I'm repeating myself. Um, I'm not senile yet. <laughs> not yet. But uh, no, we during the same season that we, we uh, planned and, and the Lord put in our heart, to practice worship on Wednesday evenings and to learn uh, the principles of worship on Wednesday evenings, we have during that same season uh, spoken about the principles of prayer and the investment of prayer. I believe that, that that is not a mistake. I know that the Spirit is leading us and that whenever the Lord did that, that what happens is there's been an emphasis by the Spirit of God on coming to places of deeper intimacy in God. And if you are responding to that and you are uh, pressing into that and um, doing what we are learning, practicing what we are learning, then you are, you are developing a deeper walk with the Lord. And you are, he's calling you to closer intimacies with him. The word says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, if anyone... I love when the Lord says anyone or all. It's kind of an all-inclusive statement there. If anyone will hear that I am knocking and open the door and respond to me, I'll come in. And what does he say? He says there will be communion. I'll sup with him and he with me. There will be communion. So God is calling us to places of deeper intimacy with him. Let's get our Bibles and uh, take a look today. Uh, let's make our declaration before the Lord. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. It contains many great and precious promises for me. I am who the Bible says I am. I have what the Bible says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. I'll study the Word and live according to it. Because the living word of God is at work in me. Father, bless the teaching and the preaching of your word this morning and our time together around your word. Uh, let it be life to us. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light upon our path. And we thank you that we do not walk in darkness because your word lights the way before us and we give you praise. Let your word be light in our life today and we'll, and we'll respond to it. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen? Amen. 
All right, in, in week one and two, we talked about the priority of prayer, and we went through the scriptures. We looked all the way back to Genesis, and we went through some of the Old Testament and some of the New Testament. We literally could have went into every book of the Bible if we took the time, and, and we're going to do that, to talk about the priority of prayer that Scripture places and that, that, uh, that ought to be a part of the believer in the kingdom. The priority of prayer that ought to exist in our lives. And so we, we went through that uh, the, in week one and two. It took us two weeks to do that. And uh, we went through Genesis and Psalms and Isaiah and Daniel all the way into Revelation uh, through the New Testament. In week three, we talked about the prayer practices of Jesus. If you were not here, uh, you can get these on the website. You can go back and look. There's a couple of uh, weeks of... Uh, uh, interruption there uh, uh, from our series where uh, you can listen to the wisdom and, and the teaching that Benjamin brought while the ladies were at the ladies retreat and oh my what a day we had and then last week um, when Gary Hinkey was here he brought the word but but other than that there's there's uh, six five or six weeks of teaching on prayer we talked about the pra- pra- prayer practices of Jesus in week three we talked about what, what happened while he prayed and what happened after he prayed. And, and uh, you need to go back and listen to that. And if you weren't here, uh, for sure, you need to go back. And then in week uh, four, we continued with the, the prayer practices of Jesus. And uh, we talked about uh, his, his practice of prayer while he was in ministry. And the word says that uh, he went often to a solitary place and he prayed. And that's why uh, we've enjoyed... Uh, Luke, so the book of Luke so much because it's placed such a priority on the prayer life of Jesus. And that brings us up to this week that we are in now. Um, oh, no, week five, we talked about the disciples asking Jesus to teach them to pray. And we talked in Luke chapter 11, as Jesus prayed, what is called the Lord's Prayer. Next week, if the Lord is, is with us and we're able to get to uh, John chapter 17, I'm going to show you the real Lord's Prayer. But uh, the, the prayer that the disciples asked uh, Jesus to teach them to pray uh, really probably ought to be called the disciples' prayer because he was telling them how they should pray. But then the real example of Jesus' prayer is in John chapter 17, and I'll be excited uh, when we get to that place uh, where he prayed for us, and uh, we will enjoy that study. But this morning, I want to talk to you about two things, the Lord willing, and gives us the time here. I want to talk to you about the character of God in the answering of prayer, and I want to talk to you about biblical attitudes of a person of prayer. And so let me give you a couple of scriptures uh, that we need to uh, look at this morning. Um, We're going to begin, uh, let's see. Let's begin with biblical attitudes of a person of prayer, a person who is given to prayer, a person who determines, like you ought to be determining now as we study this, I'm going to be a person of prayer. I was thinking as I grew up, I've I've told you this before, as I grew up uh, in my high school years, we attended a Pentecostal church. I grew up around some wild Pentecostal folks. Y'all ain't half as wild as what I grew up in. And the pastor that I grew up under was a man of prayer. 
And uh, every, it seems to me, as I recall, when I would have occasion to call him or to call his home, every time I would call, his wife would say, I'll have to take a message right now. He's at prayer. He's praying. And I learned in, in watching him serve the Lord the value of prayer, and I saw some of these biblical attitudes of a person of prayer. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. And I want to read a portion of scripture in Matthew uh, chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, let's begin there and we'll read. Take heed that you do not do your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you uh, do your alms, do not sound a trumpet. Do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. I, I just... When I read that, I can't even imagine that. But what they were doing was when they were fasting and praying, they hired trumpeters to go out before them. Can you imagine? I'm going to show everyone just how holy or how righteous or how essentially religious I am. They hired trumpeters to go out before them. So he says, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you do alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your alms may be done in secret, that the Father which sees in secret himself shall reward you openly. When you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. There again, I just can't get my head around that. But anyway, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet, enter into your private place of prayer. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father which is in secret, and the Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. When you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that that they uh, shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knows what you have need of even before you ask. This great passage of Scripture, great instruction from Jesus talking to them about when you pray. The first thing that we have to know is that Jesus said to them, when you pray. He didn't say, if. He didn't say, just in case. But there is a presumption on the part of Jesus that followers of Jesus will pray. There is an assumption in his heart that you're going to do Prayer. That prayer is going to be a part of who you are. That prayer is going to be a part of the makeup of the believer. I love the implied intent there. He says, when you pray. When you pray. So he says, the first thing I want you to understand is when you pray, do not do things to be seen. 
And the interesting thing in this passage is that he said it a couple of times. And I have learned in, in, in studying the word and in teaching and preaching the word that when God repeats himself, he's trying to make a point. He wants to get the point across. Now, now it's, it's really interesting because I love prayer meetings. I love when we all get together to pray. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a, in a few minutes if we get there about how that the church should pray together and all of those kinds of things. But the emphasis here on the part of Jesus was when you do your praying, you do it quietly, you do it alone, you do it privately, you don't do it for, for public attention, and you don't do it with public personal motive. When you pray... And I've always found that the most effective prayer that I ever do is, is prayer that I pray privately and alone. My prayer time at 2 in the morning is far more effective than when 30 or 40 believers all get together in the same room and pray. Now, that doesn't discredit that or disqualify that by any stretch of the imagination. Both, uh, um, both seasons of prayer are sanctioned in Scripture and established in the Word of God. But those deep private places of prayer, intercession and moaning before the Lord. How many understand that when a woman is birthing a child, the people that are, nowadays they do this really strange, but but typically (laughs) that when a woman is birthing a child, that typically the only people that are in the room are are those that are necessary. In the old days, when I was being born, they cleared the room. And only the doctor and the mama and, or the nurse and, and those that were necessary to the process were in the room. I understand that scripture says that, that uh, travail, that, that, inter, that sense of intercession is like birth pains. And that when prayer is that intense, it's generally private. It takes place in your secret place. But the Bible says that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And if you have not yet, if, if over these six weeks you have not gone home and created that secret place, I want to challenge you this morning again. I'm going to say it again. I challenge you to go home and set aside a place that is going to become to you the secret place, the dwelling place of the Most High God, the place where you go and you meet with him when no one else is around and when no one else is looking and when no one else is paying attention that place that you go so that you can dwell in the secret place of the most high so that you can abide under the shadow of the almighty i want to challenge you to do that but he says when you go and you pray don't do your alms before men don't do prayer to be seen don't do prayer to be heard have you ever heard anyone pray to be heard listen i've grown up in church And I've seen it all. And I've seen folks who enjoy being seen. And I know how that feels and what that looks like. And these these folks were going and they were praying to be heard and praying to be seen. But genuine prayer is prayer to be effectual. Prayer to be fervent. Prayer that avails much. And so he says, don't, don't, do, don't, don't do your prayer to be seen and heard. And then he says, let's go on and read there a little bit more. He says, uh, uh, do not sound a trumpet. Um, he says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You need to be so led of the Lord 
and so led by the Spirit in prayer. And you need to be able to do the things that God would ask of you to do and follow the instruction and the direction that he gives you in a way that is full of spiritual humility. There, you know, I have met people. Now, now, let me explain the religious process by which we give. The religious process. Y'all know we go and we print those little envelopes and people write their name on them and they put how much. And most, most people who do that do that because they, we're in a situation within the context of our government where our charitable donations are tax deductible. So people who use those tax donations will put an envelope so that there's a record so that they can get a receipt at the end of the year. The day is coming when that won't be necessary because charitable giving is going to be wiped out of the tax system. You do realize that. And we'll find out who really gives because it's right to give and who gives because they get a tax donation. Oh, you guys are quiet now. I'm sorry that wasn't politically correct. Sometimes I just pray for the day. And the reason that I pray for the day is because we should have never let the government in the church in the first place. We made a, we made a contract with the enemy when we let the government begin to tell us what we could do with our charitable donations and we let them begin to make, I mean, there's pages and pages of this stuff in the, in the code about what you can and can't do with charitable donations. But he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And I've known people who will do their giving. They will not fill out an envelope. They don't want you to know how much they gave. They don't want anyone else to know how much they gave. And, they, and they're givers. I mean, they're big givers. But, they, but they're not going to fill out. They don't want their name on an envelope. They don't want their name attached to their giving. And I have folks uh, privately come to me and say, here, I'm going to give this to you. I want to bless so-and-so over here, but I don't want him to know who it came from, and I don't want him to know uh, how you got it. All I want you to do is you take this to them. I know they're in need. I don't want them to know that I know, and I don't want them to know who gave it. You go give it to them without them knowing that it came from me. Happens all the time. I love it. It should happen more. And when we discern the body, it would happen more. But anyway, that's a... Oh, dirt roads. But he said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't do something in the area of prayer and then go on. Oh, I prayed six hours yesterday. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, me and God met. Stop that stuff. Stop that stuff. Let's not, let's, let's decide as a church we're not going to be part of that. Let's decide as a people we're not going to be part of a religious structure that glorifies the doing of the stuff. Let's just do the stuff. Let's just do it by faith. Let's do our giving by faith. Let's do our, let's, let, let's do our praying by faith. Let's do our uh, encouraging one another by faith. Uh, and, and let's just put it before the Lord and say, Lord, if, if you get it, I, I'm an imperfect vessel and I'm, I'm delivering the word of the Lord. And if you get anything out of it, praise be to God. Let God be glorified and don't worry about glorifying flesh. Boy, that'll preach on more subjects than prayer, won't it? We didn't come here 
to glorify our flesh. We didn't come here to get kudos and recognition. We didn't come here so that somebody, I I often say, I don't really care who gets the credit. If the job gets done, if the things of the kingdom get accomplished, it doesn't matter. If somebody says, oh, look what so-and-so did, and you know in your heart and in the back of your mind that you're the one that did it. I don't care who gets the credit. I want God to get the credit. I want God to get the glory. And the minute I get the glory and the credit, the word says I have my reward anyway. I'm not looking for a reward here. I'm looking for an investment here. We're here to make an investment. The reward comes later. We're here to make an investment in the kingdom. So we're not, and, and seriously, I, I didn't even share the things, come to think of it, that I shared with you this morning so that anybody would get some kind of recognition. I just want you to know what God is doing in this place. To God be the glory. Oh, there's so many things he'll do through vessels that will make themselves available. He didn't call, I, I said it last week, I think I said it, if we li- two weeks ago, if we listen back to the tape, I know I said it in discipleship this week, and, and I'll say it again, the Lord never did call a qualified individual. It is so funny to me how when, when churches, uh, churches in our day, and they should, listen, you should look for people who are well prepared for their assignment. But what we look at, look at as qualifications for ministry or qualifications for assignment, what, what we look at in the natural uh, for someone in a job application, we look at, we look at uh, uh, their qualifications. But God is not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. He will take your little puny ability and he'll put the Holy Spirit with it and he'll make that a great ability. Because it is his strength that accomplishes in the first place. You, even in prayer, you go to your closet of prayer and you pray. But you aren't going to accomplish anything on your own without the presence of the Holy Spirit in that process. I'm going to get in trouble if I don't be careful. So he says here, I want you to know, the Father, which sees in secret... Rewards openly. You know there's this thing that happens in the body of Christ that whenever someone gets recognized for something that, that they did or when, when so, there, there's, there's always someone who goes, oh, well, why did that person, or someone gets promoted, someone gets a spiritual assignment, someone gets an assignment within the framework of the body of Christ, there's always someone standing by going, oh, why them? But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something you don't see in secret. And it is God. Promotion, the Bible says, comes from the Lord. And so we'll see somebody and something good will happen in their life. What does the Bible say we're supposed to do when somebody's rejoicing? We're supposed to rejoice with them. What does it say we're supposed to do when somebody is mourning or somebody is weeping or somebody is struggling? We're supposed to get in the struggle with them. We're supposed to get in there and help shoulder the load. If they're crying, it's all right. You go have a good cry with somebody. Go have a good cry with them. But when the cry is over, glorify God and strengthen them in the name of the Lord. Right. 
I'm going to go have myself a good cry if things go wrong. And then I'm going to get up and brush myself off and go do the things of the kingdom. When we talked about when, when David uh, laid before the Lord as his son was dying. And the word of the Lord had come and said, David, that baby's going to die because you disobeyed me. And so that is my word and my judgment. How many know the word of the Lord is true? So David goes and he puts on sackcloth and ashes and he lays before the Lord and he weeps and he cries and he calls out on God and he moans before the Lord. And then they come and they say, David, your, your child is dead. And he got up and he went and got in the shower, got himself all cleaned up, went to the house of the Lord, worshiped God and ate. And they all scratched their heads and go, what is wrong with that? Don't we normally cry when someone has passed away? And David said, no, I can go to him, but he can't come to me. It's done. But, but why did you do that? Well, I wept before the Lord when I saw an opportunity that he might change his heart in the situation. I wept before the Lord. He found the appropriate time and place to call out to God. So whenever it's appropriate to call out to God, whenever it's appropriate to weep and moan, whenever it's appropriate to cry and wail, let's get off in there together. Yeah. And then when it's over, let's rejoice. So I, I love when, you know, when the saints of God go to be with Jesus, we get together and we have a memorial and we put their picture up there and we, we, we talk about the things that God did in their life and we have a good cry. And you know what we do afterwards? Eat. <laughs> we go eat, we play music, we laugh. Because it's appropriate to cry when someone's crying and to... Laugh when someone's laughing. The Father, which sees in secret, he will reward you openly. Then he says, when you go to prayer, enter your closet for prayer and shut the door. I want to talk to you just for a moment about that secret place. Just, I know we've been talking about it for weeks. I'm trying to cultivate in you a desire to go home and set aside a spot in your house. You need to do this. He said to them, I want you to go into your closet of prayer and I want you to shut the door. Oh, would to God that everybody would design a place. I don't care if it's at your dining room table or if it's in your walk-in closet. Some of y'all need to clean it out anyway. (laughs) I saw someone post it on Facebook the other day, just cleaned out my closet. It's a walk-in again. (laughs) That was Mary. I couldn't remember who it was. You, you didn't have to give yourself away, Mary. <laughs> She's making that little place to kneel before the Lord in that closet of prayer. No, I don't care where it is, but set aside a place so that your father can see some, some effectual, fervent prayer in secret. Do you know that you are making a deposit in the heavenly bank? Whenever you sit before the Lord, you're making a deposit and you're giving the Holy Spirit a chance to deposit in you. He, need, he needs something to draw on out of your life. That only comes through two avenues. Prayer and the word is what deposits in the life of the believer. 
Seasons like this, seasons where you sit down and you, get, you, you review from the webcast and you review uh, the teaching that God has been bringing before us, or whenever you sit down and you open your Bible and you get your notebook and you spend time before the Lord and you spend time in prayer and meditation, it is in those times that the Holy Spirit can deposit in you so that he has something to draw on in your, in your time and your season of difficulty. He needs a deposit in you so that he can say, remember, when we were sitting together and I shared this with you. I told you that this time was coming. I told you that this season was coming, and I told you that I would be with you in it. How many times we've walked through seasons in our life, and because of the deposit of God that is in us, we were able to draw back upon the things that we've learned from the Holy Spirit, or the things that we've heard him say. Did you know that the Holy Spirit will tell you when you're going to go through difficulty? He will tell you when there is a season. Don't you tremble. When you hear the Holy Spirit come to you and he whispers to you that there is a season of difficulty ahead, don't you tremble in fear in that moment. You glorify God in that moment that he had the mercy to share with you the things that lie ahead and tell you that he will be with you in it. Anytime the Holy Spirit speaks to you like in such a way, He is telling you, I am with you always. I will not leave you. I am with you even until the end of the age. You'll get those things in prayer. You generally won't get them anywhere else. It is in those seasons of quietness, in the secret place of the Most High, that he tells you there is a season coming. It, is by, it was by the mouth of the prophets and by the times and the seasons in the presence of the Lord that the Lord spoke in advance of the current economic crisis in this nation. The Lord said this time was coming. It didn't catch us by surprise. We knew these days were upon us. It was the mercy of God that he spoke to us and said, these days are coming. Hallelujah. Prayer. Enter your closet. Shut the door. Pray in secret. And the Father who sees in secret the scripture says, will reward openly. This is another statement that is repeated in this passage. This is a statement that ought to build confidence in the body of Christ. This is a statement that ought to build confidence in you, in your relationship with the Lord, because he says, those things that are done before me in secret, those investments that you make in the kingdom in secret, those things that are done in private, those things that no one knows but you and God alone, those things he will reward openly. And the rest of us will rejoice when we see God do good things in you. We will not sit around and say, why him? Why did that good thing happen to her? How come things like that never happen to me? No, we'll rejoice. I just love, love, love with all my heart. One of the greatest joys of leading a congregation of people and pastoring a church is when good things happen to people unexpectedly. It is so much fun. 
And when I watch people learn to know one another and love one another and build one another up and strengthen one another and do little secret things that bless one another and, and encourage one another and write someone, a no, you know, send someone notes in the mail or, or take a, a dish of food over to someone who's in need or, or spend time cleaning someone's house who can't clean their own house and all those kinds of little things that seem like nothing to you. But you know what? The people that do that, they think, oh, that's just what I do. They don't think anything about it. People with a ministry of helps who, who, who allow that to be stirred up in their life when they're doing it, they're just saying, oh, this is just what we do. This is what believers do. Doesn't everybody do this? And they're quite amazed when they find out that there are believers that don't. I'm kind of amazed when I find out that there's believers that don't. Jesus would be amazed, uh, would have been amazed in his statement when he said, when you pray, there was an assumption there, and, and it would amaze him to find out there are believers who do not pray. I think it breaks his heart when he finds out there are believers, there are believers, people who have said yes to Jesus, and they don't pray until they get in trouble. And then their person's like, ah! <laughs> That's about what their person's like. Oh, God, why me? <laughs> right? Huh? <laughs> Pray. Pray. Oh, I challenge you. We only got to one of these today. Biblical attitudes of a person of prayer. Pray in secret. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would help us as a people. We'll talk later about the church praying together and why prayer meeting is so important. But the reason that prayer meeting is a struggle in our generation is because closet prayer is a struggle. If closet prayer was not a struggle, prayer meeting would be a a blast. Prayer meeting would be an absolute hoot. In fact, I even had a pastor one time. (laughs) Many of you would know him. I won't mention his name. I asked him, you don't ever have a prayer meeting. He goes, till y'all start praying at home, I'm not calling one. I, I thought that was pretty bold. But he said, when I discern that this prayer taking place at home, the people have gone into their closet of prayer, I'll call a prayer meeting. Now, we have prayer meetings here, so I know some of y'all are praying at home because you show up at prayer when we, when we have called prayer meetings. The secret place. If I could impress upon you anything... I would impress upon you this morning that the Lord would like to meet you in the secret place. I would impress upon you that you're making an investment, a kingdom investment in your own spiritual future and certainly in the future of your family and your loved ones when you'll find that secret place. I assure you that he will meet you there. I assure you that you will begin to hear the whisper of the Lord in regard to your own life. 
I assure you that he will answer your prayer. We'll talk about that next week. I assure you that the Lord is waiting for each of you to find the secret place of prayer. He will meet you there. Would you stand together this morning?